For thousands of years and through many struggles, Jerusalem has been the cultural, the political, and the spiritual center of the Jewish people. It is from here where the kings of Israel ruled, where the Holy of Holies was standing, and the historical connection of the Jewish people to this city is undeniable. Also, it is a city chosen by God. It is the city of the great king. In 2017, the Trump administration decided to move the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. As Christian Embassy, we salute this bold decision of the American people and we call upon all the nations of the world to follow suit and to recognize what God already declared 3,000 years ago, that Jerusalem is the cultural, the political and the spiritual center of the Jewish people. And also we call upon every believer around the world to pray for their own government to make that decision that will ultimately also attract the blessing of God upon your own nation. We are here at the City Council Hall where once a month the City Council is meeting together to discuss the future of the city. And I have the enormous privilege to be together today with Miss Fleur Hassan Nahum. She's the Deputy Mayor in charge for Foreign Relations. It's so great to be with you here today. Thank you so much for coming. And thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. And I know there are many Christians, they would like to be here in Jerusalem, but unfortunately that's not possible. I know it's actually very sad that I, I get emails and phone calls all the time from so many Christian communities around the world that are waiting for the skies to open to come back to Jerusalem. So we're so lucky to have so many great friends around the world from the Christian community that are dying to get back to our city. We're exciting and we're prepared to receive them back. That's amazing. Now this city is unlike any others. It has a 3,000 years history. It's the spiritual, political, cultural center of the Jewish people throughout the ages. What does it to me mean to you personally? So Jerusalem was almost like a, a dream or a, some type of idyllic place, but it's certainly the heart and soul of the Jewish nation. And I think everybody agrees with that. Um, and so the fact, I wake up in the morning sometimes, and the fact that I'm here representing my city as a politician who wasn't born here, mm. who got to Israel without speaking any Hebrew, is an enormous, enormous privilege, and I, you know, I can't believe how lucky I am. In 1980, the Israeli Knesset passed a law which was called the Jerusalem Law, declaring Jerusalem as the eternal and undivided capital of the state of Israel, and all the embassies left, but it was also the founding year, now exactly 40 years ago, of the Christian embassy. What did it mean for, Christ for Jewish people living here in Jerusalem that Christians established an embassy? The fact that the Christian embassy recognized that before anybody else is of course an enormous sign of solidarity that up until this day we're very, very appreciative of. This year is one of the most difficult years, I believe, in the history of Jerusalem. What does the COVID-19, how does it affect the city of Jerusalem? Well, put it this way, 30% of our economy is based on tourism. And 80% of that tourism is foreign tourism. What we've done this summer, we've tried to rehabilitate tourism by doing an enormous campaign to get Israelis who normally leave the country to come to Jerusalem. It's not enough, and we keenly await our tourists from around the world to return. Do you have a personal message to Christians around the world that you would like to communicate? 
So first of all, I'd like to thank you all for the enormous support that you always give us. Jerusalem thanks you and Jerusalem keenly awaits your return. We hope for health for everybody. Ms. Fleur, Hassan, Nahum, thank you so much for spending the time with us. What an honor, what an amazing place to be here today. And we wish all the best to the city of Jerusalem. Thank you so much. God bless you, thank you. The International Christian Embassy Jerusalem remains the embassy of Bible believers from all around the world. Here from our headquarters in Jerusalem, we fulfill our mandate to bless, to comfort, and to pray for the people of Israel. We are your embassy right here in Jerusalem, and I want to personally invite you to stand with us as we are connecting Bible-believing Christians from all around the world with what God is doing today right here in the land of Israel. Welcome to the ITJ webinar today. Our subject today is why is Jerusalem important to Christians? So thank you for joining us today all over the world. And if you also would like to invite others, please do them now. We are very excited about this wonderful subject of us. Why is Jerusalem important to Christians? This is a very appropriate um, subject to talk about today because next week will be Jerusalem Day. Israel will be celebrating the reunification of Jerusalem and the establishment of Israeli control over the city. And there will have many wonderful festivities and, and activities going on in Jerusalem, celebrating this wonderful day, and just celebrating Jerusalem. But for us as Christians, this is also a very important city. But before we start with our um, teaching um, uh, time, we have a wonderful greeting from the Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem that is in charge of foreign relations at the Municipality of Jerusalem, Fleur Hassan Nahum. So please, we would love to hear this wonderful greeting from her. On this Jerusalem day, Yom Yerushalayim, we're so, so happy to be here with you, our Christian friends from all around the world. Your friendship and your support is critical to Israel. And why is Jerusalem so special to you? Well, we are so grateful here to host hundreds of thousands of Christian friends and allies every single year. Not only, of course, is Jerusalem the home of the monotheistic religions, but we have the most significant churches in the Middle East, right here in Jerusalem, our holy city. The connection that Christians have with the wonderful city of Jerusalem is something that we share between Jews and Christians, and we always will. And your support of the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem and all your network around the world is critical to us. We feel your friendship, we feel your kinship, and we can't wait to have you back in Jerusalem very, very soon. So we hope you have a wonderful, wonderful conference. Thank you so much for this wonderful greeting to Hassan Nahum. Every year, yes, the ICJ have been bringing 
um, over 6,000 pilgrims to our annual Feast of Tabernacles event that's been taking place for the last 40 years. Unfortunately, last year, that was not possible bringing all these tourists and Christians from around the world to Jerusalem, but we had it online. But we are praying that uh, hopefully this year, once again, we will be able to bring Christians from around the world to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles and to be a wonderful testimony of love and comfort to the city of Jerusalem and the, and the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. So we are so glad to hear this wonderful uh, message and greeting from you, Fluer Hassan Nahum. Um, but we would like to continue with our webinar today. And um, we have a wonderful teaching series on why is Jerusalem important to Christians. And I would love to introduce our speaker. It is our Vice President, um, Dr. Moimia Kallis. He is um, at the ICJ headquarters responsible for a worldwide network of over 90 nations from around the world. And he's a speaker at international um, conferences on the subject of Israel. And has also been a, um, a, sorry, a Christian um, a church leader in his home country, the Czech Republic. And it's a great blessing for us here at the headquarters. So thank you so much, Moimir. Welcome. And uh, we are looking forward to a wonderful message on you, from you. Why is Jerusalem important to Christians? Thank you, David. Uh, it's a great joy for me to address this worldwide audience and uh, to speak especially at this time on the subject of Jerusalem. We have just heard from the deputy mayor uh, how Jerusalem is something that is shared between Christians and Jews. And uh, it is obvious for the Jewish people and their tradition that Jerusalem has a central place in that tradition. And also we just heard that next week, uh, Israel will celebrate again the uh, reunification on the Jerusalem day. So it is a fixed place in the calendar for the Jewish nation. Uh, so the importance for the Jewish people is, is a given. Uh, but why exactly is Jerusalem also important for us Christians? Uh, I will attempt to give a biblical answer to this question, uh, because after all, uh, the importance uh, to us Christians of anything, and including Jerusalem, is based on the importance uh, that is attached to Jerusalem in the Bible itself. So one way to measure uh, the importance of a subject which occurs in the Bible would be to see how often it is mentioned. So by this count, Jerusalem already appears to be quite significant. Uh, some sources say, and I have to admit I didn't count it myself, so I have to rely on those sources, uh, that Jerusalem is mentioned some 660 times in the Tanakh, the Old Testament, plus another 146 times in the New Testament. And then if we add the synonymous expression of Zion, we get another 165 times combined in the Old and the New Testament. So that makes together almost 1,000 scriptures which mention the Holy City. And that can already serve as a kind of an indication that Jerusalem will have some importance. However, this is just a quantitative answer. And I believe it is more important to ask the qualitative question. What is it that makes Jerusalem so prominent. Maybe you've seen this uh, 
old medieval painting in which Jerusalem is depicted as the center of the world. And in fact, uh, this picture, this painting is based on another scripture, scripture from Ezekiel, where God declares that he has set Jerusalem in the midst of the nations. You can find it in Ezekiel chapter five, verse five. So Jerusalem sits in the midst of the nations. It is the center of the world. Wow. So again, what makes this city so special? First of all, we learn from the Bible that it is close to God's heart. We can find uh, some very strong statements about Jerusalem, which reveal God's desire, even his emotions. For instance, the prophet Zechariah declares that the Lord has chosen Jerusalem and that he is zealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with great zeal. So passion, desire, emotions, zeal. And the key passage is then found in the book of Psalms. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. It's Psalm 132, verses 13 and 14. So again, we see the desire, the part of God. And then uh, the fact that he has made Jerusalem his own resting place, dwelling place. Uh, in other words, Jerusalem has to do with the presence of God. Now, we know that God is omnipresent. His presence is everywhere. The whole world is his. And uh, we can experience that presence anywhere we are. When we pray, when two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, he is there present in their midst. And when the Holy Spirit fills us, we experience the very presence of God. Yet, still the presence of God in Jerusalem is something special. It does have a special quality. And I believe those of you who have, who have visited the city uh, would testify to that. This is just because God chose Jerusalem. And you know, the God of the Bible does make his choices. He makes distinctions. Uh, as another example, God loves all the nations, but yet he has chosen one particular nation for his special possession. This is in uh, the book of Exodus in 2 Moses chapter 19, when the Jewish people were gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai because before they received the Ten Commandments, God told them, you shall be a special treasure, a special possession. Here's the Hebrew word zgula, which is difficult to translate, but it means something unique, special, setting, set apart. Uh, you will be a special possession to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Here we are. The whole world, uh, is under God's sovereignty. Uh, the whole earth is his, but he made a covenant with one particular nation, with the Jewish people. He set them apart for his plan, which after all brings blessing to all mankind. You know, we see it even at the beginning when he first called Abram and blessed him. He said, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis 12, a very well-known verse. So when God chose Abraham and then the Jewish nation, he already had the 
interest or the salvation of the whole world in mind. This is uh, very important when we look at this uh, selection of, uh, of Israel. And uh, the New Testament confirms this uh, when Paul explains that uh, the advantage of a Jew is great in every way, mainly because to them were committed the oracles of God. That's Romans 3. All the world owes a debt of gratitude to the Jewish people because they brought us the very word of God. And from them came the Messiah, Jesus, our Savior. So all this is a consequence of God's choice. So we can see that when God makes a choice, it has a purpose behind it. So uh, in the same way as he chose Israel to be the vehicle through which he brings salvation and blessing to the whole world, the same matter he chose Jerusalem for a purpose. And again, this is not only for the Jewish people. It is meant for all nations. Isaiah declares, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. God expects all nations to come up to Jerusalem, and this is where he wants to bless them. It is actually remarkable what, uh, what transpired, what happened in this very city which God chose as his dwelling. Uh, for instance, in Genesis 22, when God tested Abraham, uh, he told him to offer up his only son Isaac, and he commanded him to go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, the mountain of which God told Abraham was nothing else but the Temple Mount, the very center, at the very heart of Jerusalem. So it was there when later the uh, temple was built. It was there that Abraham prepared the offering in his unwavering faith that God would provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering. This is what the Bible says in Genesis 22, 7. And as the book of Hebrews says, uh, Abraham concluded that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. And indeed, he received Isaac as if he came back from the dead. Now, Abraham's offering was not only important for the testing of his own faith, but it actually foreshadowed something which happened much later in the same place, in the same city, the ultimate sacrifice that God prepared. He indeed provided a lamb for himself, a lamb, a perfect offering without blemish. He offered up his only son, as a true Passover lamb, whose blood takes away the sins of the world. And I believe that when Abraham stood there and the, uh, the ram appeared in this place and his son Isaac was saved, uh, maybe he had a prophetic flash in which in, in a split of a second understood what would happen there later. And I believe this is what Jesus refers to when he says in John 8, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad because he understood that this is where this momentous salvation for all mankind would one day take place. And indeed, when the time fully came, this is what happened. Jesus was crucified in the city. He was put to the grave. And there he rose from the dead again in this city. And 
by this he demonstrated the power of the God, which is stronger even than that. You know, the enemy tried his best to prevent that, but the enemy did not have the power to stop God. And it occurred here in Jerusalem. This is the place where God's sovereignty was manifested. There's no power that can go against God. And the place where this is manifested the most is in the city of Jerusalem. It was also in this city when the Holy Spirit fell upon the first disciples, where actually the whole Christian church started. So all this alone would explain very well why Jerusalem should be important to Christians. Now, there are different denominations today in the world, and they may have their own particular centers. The Catholics look to Rome, the Orthodox to perhaps to Constantinople or to Moscow, the Protestant may look to Geneva or to Wittenberg or others to other places. But when we do so, we emphasize our differences, our particularity. But when we as Christians all look towards Jerusalem, we emphasize what we have in common, our roots, that which brings us together. And it has been my personal experience that when we gather to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we are able to unite no matter where we come from, from different denominations, different traditions. Jerusalem brings us together. He, uh, Jerusalem brings unity, which commands the blessing. Uh, so far, I referred just to events that uh, occurred in the city of Jerusalem in the past, and we look back to but there is more to Jerusalem than just looking back. The Lord has chosen Jerusalem uh, to play an important part in his plan. And God's plan is not finished yet. It is still unfolding today. And we can see how the prophets speak about Jerusalem uh, in a time which is to come. A time in the future when Jerusalem will take a prominent place again. And all the world will be somehow interested in what's going on in Jerusalem. Jeremiah uh, speaks about a time when Israel will be gathered out of the land of the north to the land that the Lord has given them as inheritance. And then it's uh, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. The prophet says that at that time, at the time when the uh, Jewish people will be gathered back to their land, at that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered to it, to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem. And no more shall they follow the dictates of their evil hearts. Now, that obviously speaks about a time in the future of the Messianic kingdom. But what I would like to highlight here is that there is a connection between Israel and Jerusalem in particular, and the nations. When the Jewish people returned to their land that God gave them as an eternal inheritance, all nations should come up to Jerusalem. And another prophet uh, specifies actually uh, even the, the exact time when the nations are expected to come up. Zechariah 14 verse 16, it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. 
So this is a great uh, prophetic vision. And it has been the mission of the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem from the very start to make the church worldwide aware of this prophetic call. And uh, we can say to prepare the bride, to prepare the church to this moment in time, to this prophetic time when all the nations will be coming up to Jerusalem to celebrate and to worship the King. So there is a connection connection between what we call the restoration of Israel, return of the Jews to the land of their fathers, and the importance of Jerusalem to the nations. And if we look at the history of the last 200 years, we see a clear confirmation of this fact. When the first waves of Aliyah, of immigration of the Jewish people back to their own homeland, when it started in the mid-1800s, Jerusalem, which had been a sleepy provincial town somewhere in the outskirts of the Ottoman Empire, very quickly it was transformed and became a point of interest and a place to be desired. All the major powers of the world of the time, they insisted on having a foothold in the city. They convinced the waning Ottoman Empire to allow them to build their own quarters in Jerusalem. And when you go around the city today, you will still find it. You will see the Russian compound, you will see the American colony, a French quarter, German colony, and so on and on. Every major nation, all of a sudden, got interested in the city of Jerusalem. And when the restoration of Israel continued, the uh, interest in the importance of Jerusalem has been growing more and more. To the point that after World War II in 1947, the United Nations actually wanted to create a special entity, a corpus separato, that would be uh, administered by the international community. And that has to be Jerusalem. Now, the war in 1948, when Arabs started uh, fighting the Jews, made that whole idea impossible. And that war of independence ended in 1949 by Jerusalem being divided. Then in 1967, it was reunited again under Jewish sovereignty. This is the point which will be celebrated next week in the Yom Yerushalayim. However, the world has largely refused to recognize it until today. Jerusalem is the only national capital which is not recognized by most governments. Israel is the only member of the international community which is denied the right to choose their own capital city. That's quite unique. Now, we uh, salute uh, President Trump who broke that consensus and moved the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. Uh, but uh, there are only very few nations that have followed because the pressure of the international community against those who would want to follow, that pressure is still enormous. So all that just testifies to the importance of the city. The whole world is almost irrationally fixated on Jerusalem. So much so that it brings to mind the words of the prophet Zechariah again, this time from chapter 12. He says in verses two and three, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples, 
all who would behave in a way will surely be cut in pieces, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. So we can see that Jerusalem here is the focal point of an international effort. And indeed, we have seen in the past decades so many international initiatives, peace plans, so many resolutions about Jerusalem, but no one has succeeded in bringing about a peaceful solution. Many have tried to heave it away, but they have not succeeded. And even uh, this drunkenness, this intoxicating, intoxicating influence, it's something that we can actually see. Uh, several major Arab riots in the last century all erupted when their leaders falsely claimed that Jerusalem and their holy places are in danger. They just were enraged and uh, it was like a cup of drunkenness to them. So we can see clearly that the prophets foretell a conflict uh, centered around Jerusalem, a conflict in which all nations will be involved. And we know from the context that this is one of the signs of the coming of the Messiah. And when we want to discern the times, we will also see that the status of Jerusalem plays an important role as an indication. Jesus himself said that Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. That is Luke 21, 24. And Indeed, Jerusalem was trampled by the Gentiles. Jerusalem was occupied by foreign nations since the destruction by Romans in AD 70 until June 1967, for 19 centuries. But then with the liberation of Jerusalem, with the reunification of Jerusalem, something like a paradigm shift occurred in the spiritual realm. Jesus says that this marks the end of a certain period, which he calls the times of the Gentiles. It also marks the time when God uh, turns his face to the Jewish people again, restoring it, restoring the people to their ancient homeland. We are on the way towards the fulfillment of all prophecies, which we know from the message of both the Old and the New Testament will culminate in the salvation of all Israel. And also there will be a conflict a global conflict when Jerusalem will, will be one of the focal points. God will judge the nations on account of his people and his land. And then his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Again, this is just in Jerusalem. Jesus will come and he will reign from Jerusalem. As Jeremiah says, the city will be called the throne of God. This is why the nations will come up to Jerusalem to worship him, to worship the king. Jerusalem will become the city of the great king. Remember, Jerusalem is the place where the kingdom power of God is manifested. And it will culminate by Jesus taking his rightful place as the son of David on the throne of David. And finally, the final picture in Revelation is the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, pure and holy. And note that it will still be called Jerusalem. It won't be some abstract city. It will be Jerusalem, just cleansed from all impurity. It will finally manifest the pure kingdom of God in its fullness. So we can see why Jerusalem is so close to God's heart. He chose to play all the most important 
events in the history of salvation here in this city. And this is also holds an importance for the future because this is the place where the throne of God will be when Jesus takes the reign. And also this is a place where all nations will go up. We can also see this illustrated in uh, one uh, special event which is described right at the beginning of the Bible. We can learn from it also what the Bible, what the city represents here. Uh, it is uh, found in Genesis 14. This is a story of Abraham fighting the kings and then meeting Melchizedek, the king of Salem. Uh, the city of Salem is commonly understood as Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, and the peace, Salem, Shalom, is, is part of the name. Let me read from Genesis 14, verses 17 to 23. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him, that is Abraham, at the valley of Shaveh, after his return from the defeat of Kedolaomer and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. That's an interesting story. We can find two characters here, the king of Sodom and Melchizedek. And the text as I read it, it actually seems to indicate that Abraham met the two about the same time. And now we know that they represent the very opposite. Melchizedek is a king from Jerusalem, a priest of the one true God, and the book of Hebrews calls him king of righteousness and king of peace. Jesus is the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So it is very clear what Melchizedek represents here. And he meets Abraham and gives him the blessing and he brings bread and wine. So he comes to give blessing and the bread and wine. And the king of Sodom also comes to offer something to give. And uh, this is the possession. And it seems that Abraham was put to a test here. He had to make a choice. Shall he choose possession from Sodom, even though it was morally contaminated? Or shall he choose righteousness and peace? This is the choice. Now we see that Abraham understood that choice clearly. And he refused to take even a threat from the king of Sodom. And he received the blessing from Melchizedek and gave him a tithe. So he clearly submitted under the authority of the kingdom of God. And I believe that this is the essence of Jerusalem. Jerusalem represents this choice to all of us and to all nations. This is why it is so important what uh, the nations 
will do in terms of uh, relation to Jerusalem. This is ultimately the choice between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. Jerusalem requires decision. God actually chose Jerusalem to be a measuring stick by which he is going to judge the nations. That is why we are uh, so campaigning about uh, making Jerusalem uh, or recognizing Jerusalem to be the capital of Israel because by that we recognize the eternal truth of God. We are submitting to the plan of God and uh, accepting the burden of the kingdom. And uh, this is also why uh, we can say that Jerusalem is important to us as Christians. Thank you, Moimir. This is such a wonderful uh, teaching and uh, many good reasons why Jerusalem is important to uh, Christians and why Christians should come to visit also Jerusalem and experience by themselves um, these wonderful places and see where everything has happened. And so thank you so much for that, Moimir. And this was very insightful. Um, for our audience, if you have questions, just please write them if you're on Zoom in, in the chat. We will try to go through some of these questions if you have. Um, we have one uh, question here from uh, Karen. Um, she's asking or stating, there are groups of people who claim to follow Yeshua and value the Tanakh and the laws concerning kosher eating. They even call themselves spiritual Israel, but they're not interested in the land Israel and what is going on there. I think that is a mistake. What do you think? Moimir, would you like uh, to answer her? Yes, I tend to agree with uh, the person who is asking that this is a mistake because uh, as I said, God distinguished between Israel and the nations and each of us has a special calling. And I was speaking about the calling of Israel and it is the glory of God that also the non-Jewish nations are now, have been grafted into the tree of Israel. We can be called spiritual Israel, but that does not erase the distinction. We still are Gentile nations, just uh, born again out of the grace of God. And uh, instead of uh, concentrating on the outward thing like kosher eating and uh, you know, the, all the other uh, elements which are not significant for salvation, we should do what we are called to do. We have been called to go out to all the nations and uh, win disciples for Yeshua. But we are also called to uh, be the watchman on the walls of Jerusalem, to uh, pray for God, what God is doing in Israel. We should understand that by the restoration of Israel, God is simply fulfilling his plan because he's faithful and all the promises that he gave to Abraham, he is going to fulfill because all the calling, the calling of Abraham, the calling of Israel is irreversible, is, uh, cannot be changed. God is not a liar uh, who would make a, uh, make a promise and then go back on it. So the uh, role of Israel is clear and we are called to support it. Uh, we are called to comfort Israel. This is the motto of the ICJ. And uh, this is a call that goes out especially to the nations. So we should be proud of being members of the Gentile nations, saved by grace, and uh, 
helping God, being co-workers of God in this great process of salvation that uh, in the end encompasses the nations and also the nation of Israel. Thank you, Moimir. And, you know, that is so true because, you know, there's so many even verses in the Bible that are um, uh, requesting or commanding us to pray for Jerusalem. Yeah. And it, I guess that's just another indication that God wants us to have Jerusalem, the land, on our minds. And, um, uh, and that is where it all happened. That's the origins of, of Christianity. And I think ignoring that would be a, gr um, a grave mistake from people. Um, and of course, we should come also, if we can, to uh, visit Jerusalem. And during the centuries, um, Christians have always made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. They saw the importance of Jerusalem to come and see for themselves, and not just to read the Bible, but actually you can also experience the place by yourself and find out and learn more. And that will also open up our eyes more to the Word of God to see where it actually happened. So um, thank you so much, Moimir. Um, I think that is really helpful. Um, we don't have any other questions really here. But uh, maybe, Moimer, you can uh, maybe explain to us, since you've been visiting and, been, and are living actually in Jerusalem at the moment, you know, what can Christians today expect when they come and they make a pilgrimage or want to come and visit Jerusalem? And how can that help them um, to connect better with the Bible and, and their faith and, and so on? Well, I don't want to sound too spiritual, but I have had this... Uh, repeated experience when people visit Israel and they come back home, they feel like, wow, I felt at home. I felt something so close. I didn't expect it. You, you visit a foreign nation. Uh, it may be a bit exotic. You go out there for a holiday and then you go back to home to where you, it's everything is familiar. But the visit of Israel is something different to it. You just feel like you belong there, you're at home there. And I believe it has to do with, with the spirit and with uh, the fact that God simply chose the land. Uh, in a more practical way, uh, sometimes uh, visiting Israel is called like reading the fifth gospel. Uh, you actually connect the stories you know from the Bible with the reality of the land. And you know, uh, buildings and empires come and go, but the geography, the hills and valleys and rivers, this is what uh, has not changed from the old times. So uh, this is the same place where Jesus walked and even when the Old Testament kings uh, were reigning. And you see it in your own eyes. And you, you sometimes you make some uh, adjustments to your uh, imagination because you see it. And you, when you read the Bible later, you just see it in front of your eyes. So these are also things which uh, uh, simply uh, help in our faith. And just beyond that, I believe that the Holy Spirit has a way to speak to each one of us and he will do it. He, he does it everywhere, but he will do it in a particular way when you visit Israel. So the current situation is still unclear and complicated, but uh, it looks like things are returning slowly back to uh, a new normal maybe and uh, certainly the time will come again when you will be able to visit and i strongly recommend you to do that yeah thank you moimir and, and i also just want to tell our audience you need to remember that you know coming to jerusalem is not coming just to see 
um, an archaeological site. It is it's a city that is alive. It's the same people that are living in Jerusalem that we're reading about in the Bible more than 2,000 years ago. So it's very unique. There are no other cities like that almost in the world. And uh, they have developed a lot of these wonderful sites for us to see. For example, one of the biggest highlights, I think, for me always is to go into the city of David. This is the old city of David, and they have undercovered David's palace. Um, they have undercovered so many of those wonderful archaeological um, uh, artifacts, and we can see them. Even the this, the same streets where Jesus was walking, um, and and so forth. We can all see that today. And Israel has taken a lot of effort to make sure that when Christians visit Jerusalem, that we can really connect to these Bible stories and to these artifacts. And I think that's really wonderful. And of course, it's always a highlight coming to the Western Wall if you want to pray there. Um, you know, this is just next to the um, part of the Temple Mount, actually. And uh, this is all sites where Jesus was walking also. So it is actually very unique and um, uh, really open up our eyes to see um, how it was in, in the biblical um, times. And I think that's really very good. And also, of course, um, when Jesus is coming back, is coming back to Jerusalem. So why would we not like to go and visit the place to see where it all has happened? So um, w wonderful, thank you, um, uh, Waymir. This is really good. Um, I don't see any other um, uh, questions from our audience. If you have, please write them. We have a couple of more minutes um, for you. Um, of course, you know we need to remember that it's only from 1967 that Jerusalem uh, is has been united. Um, I don't know if you want to share a little bit on 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 that issue, um, Waymir. Today, as we are celebrating Jerusalem Day next week but people need to understand up until 1967 you know there was almost like a, there was a barrier in the middle of the city you couldn't just go from west to east so easily it was two different countries almost like um, the berlin wall and uh, 1967 you know israel uh, managed to um, establish control over the full city and unite it and one of the wonderful things of israel is it is a democracy and it believes in the freedom of religion so all the uh, major religions are free to come to their religious sites or to the holy sites, as we say, um, freely. And uh, this is really one of the good things also in Jerusalem. It is really a, um, the center um, also that can show us that they are into democracy in, uh, in the Middle East. Moema, um, anything else that you would like to add? Or I, I can see a, another question here. Uh, how are Christians acknowledging uh, the God's unfolding plan for Israel to be saved. Uh, and uh, yeah, I can relate to that. Uh, we know from the Bible that it is God's plan for Israel to be saved. That's you know, Romans 11, 26. And uh, uh, we have many scriptures which speak about that. We speak about a spiritual awakening Israel in one day will see the one they pierced and they will mourn. There will be a nationwide repentance movement. And in the end, they will recognize that Yeshua is their uh, Messiah. Uh, and uh, the reason we can be quite sure about that is that we have, we see many other scriptures which uh, are also in the prophets and which are already happening in front of our eyes. It is all about this uh, restoration of Israel the Jewish people coming back from all corners of the world, 
the desert is blooming again. They have restored ancient city. There's so much more. And uh, I think the good uh, picture for that is the vision of Ezekiel in chapters 37, where uh, the prophet saw the valley of uh, full of dry bones. And uh, it is said explicitly that these dry bones is the house of Israel. And this is how the Jewish people looked like after the Holocaust. And now we see that the, the restoration uh, plays out in two phases. First, uh, God gathers them together and the dispersed bones come together and create a new person again. They take the form of a body and of a large army. And I would call this a uh, natural restoration. And this is what we see in the state of Israel today. Out of a desert, it has become a modern, flourishing, full-size, full-fledged nation. But this is not the end of what Ezekiel saw. In the second phase, uh, he heard the spirit, uh, he heard God to prophesy to the spirit so that the spirit might come and blow upon those who were dead. And they came alive. And that is the picture of the final spiritual awakening. And of course, we can see some first fruits of that, uh, but we believe this is still in front of us. But since God has fulfilled to the letter so many other scriptures, he is also going to fulfill this. And then Israel will be saved. And that's a good reminder for us to continue to pray for the salvation of Israel and for the peace of Jerusalem. Um, let's see if we have any other questions here. Okay, so we have another question here from Karen. She's asking, Yeshua will come back to the real existing Jerusalem, but what is meant with the Jerusalem from above? Moimer, you want to comment on that? Uh, we don't know that exactly, like we don't know about the measurements and so on, but uh, I think we have another parallel. Uh, we have uh, our bodies here on earth, and we know that we will also receive a new body a heavenly body later on. And we don't know uh, exactly how that will function. Well, there will be probably some differences, but uh, it will still be our body. It will still be our personality. And probably we will be able to recognize each other. And in the same way, we have this duality between Jerusalem on earth and the heavenly one. Even in Hebrew, actually, Jerusalem has a grammatical form of a dual, dual number, which means that there are pairs, there are two, like you have two legs and two uh, arms, there are also two Jerusalems. So it seems like there is always a counterpart in heaven, and uh, uh, at the time when God decides, this will become manifest, and uh, uh, it probably has to do also with the uh, resurrection of our bodies. So uh, I believe when the time comes, we will understand. Excellent, Moimir. Um, that's really good um, explanation. Um, we'll give a couple more minutes for more questions. If everybody, anybody have, um, somebody asked, is there better collaboration between Christians and Jews in Israel? I think for sure we can say today, um, Jewish-Christian relations is basically um, the best it has ever been in the Christian history. <laughs> Uh, mainly because of also the ICJ and many other organizations have been working a very long time to show a different face of Christianity. And uh, many Jewish people today 
um, don't have a problem relating to Christians. And there are also collaboration between us. Do you know, want to add something to that, Moimir? Yeah, I think you, you said it. it it's uh, the, after the long history of enmity, really, and uh, what is called the teaching of contempt on the part of Christians, the relations between Jews and Christians have gone much to the better. Of course, not with everyone and not everywhere, but the trend is very clear in the last decades. I just interviewed the uh, director of the Jewish Museum here in Prague, and he said that in his opinion, the level of relations between Christians and Jews is the best that has ever been in history. And that there are many people who are uh, sharing that opinion. I mean, yeah, and I think especially we can see that, you know, we're working together with even the Jewish agency and bring Jewish people back home. Um, this is, you know, Christians collaborating together, making Aliyah happen. Um, we also um, have been very fortunate to collaborate together with a nonprofit in Israel to have a special home for Holocaust survivors. And uh, this would not have been possible if we as Christians and Jews didn't work together or could collaborate to work together. And, but this is to say, we are really, um, it's going very well these days and we hope it will continue. And that's why every Christian should take it seriously, the question of why Jerusalem is important to us. And, you know, if, um, and, and fight for um, Jerusalem and, and for Israel and anti-Semitism wherever we find it, because, you know, that's um, important for us to uh, continue this collaboration um, between us as good as possible. Uh, let's see if there's any more questions here. Oh. I may uh, have a short comment on one here. Uh, preaching on Romans 11:12, Cindy Liu says, uh, can you comment on the, how this will be, the salvation of the Jews will mean much more than, uh, than currently? Well, uh, uh, Paul is making the argument that already the fall of the Jewish people in terms of their not recognizing Jesus as their Messiah uh, and they're being uh, <clears throat> broken off uh, their own tree. That uh, failure has already brought a tremendous blessing to all the world because we have been grafted uh, in instead of them. And he says then that their ultimate destiny is to be grafted back again. And when that happens, it will bring even more blessing to all the world. So it is not that when Israel is blessed, we would be blessed less. We have been blessed already, but when Israel is blessed, that will even increase the blessing for all the world. In fact, the uh, uh, Romans uh, 9 to 11 says that when that happens, it will be like life from the dead. And one way to understand this phrase could be just uh, a worldwide great revival, because this is when people who were spiritually dead come to life. So uh, there is a there has always been a connection between Israel and the nations, and when Israel is finally blessed spiritually, I believe that this will bring only good things, only blessing to uh, the other nations as well. Amen. Okay, we have one. We have time for one more question about, and uh, maybe Moima, you can answer this question. Um, how do you see the situation of the Temple Mount? And mm -hmm. um, this is a uh, quite a big question that many people ask, always connected to Jerusalem. So you want to give some insights on that? 
Well, it's, I would say that the Temple Mount is actually the epicenter of, of it all. And uh, I mentioned that it is where the temple stood and where Abraham offered Isaac. And uh, it's interesting that even though Israel has been in control of the city for more than 50 years, it has not really taken the control of the Temple Mount seriously. It still gave the power to the Muslim uh, administration to control uh, the, the Temple Mount, where the mosques stand, uh, resulting in uh, the strange fact that Christians and Jews are not allowed to pray there, and they are not even allowed to bring their Bibles. So you see that Jerusalem is not completely uh, in the hands of the Jewish people. And uh, uh, there's a very practical reason for Israel doing that, because they are afraid of a major outbreak of violence, should they do. And uh, from time to time, it does happen. And even such a small thing like uh, uh, putting the, uh, uh, how you call it, in uh, the metal frames uh, in the entrance to the Temple Mount, which uh, should prevent people from taking arms up to the Mount, something we all are used to when we come, when we go to the airport or when we go to a supermarket in Israel, something which is very normal. When Israel tried to place it uh, to the entrance to the Temple Mount, it resulted in great riots, and then they had to, you know, go back and uh, remove it again. So it is so uh, uh, extremely sensitive. And that to me, this is a, again one more indication of the truth of the Bible. And I believe that the status of the Temple Mount is probably, uh, can only change uh, with a certain kind of divine intervention or something major, because currently the uh, no government of Israel would dare to change what they call the status quo. So let's see what happens. Amen. Yeah, it's definitely in the hands of the Lord, the Temple Mount, and he knows what will be the future there. And that's for sure. And and with that, we would like to close our um, webinar. You know, all these um, questions and this um, teaching from Weimar is all more the reason why we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, because it is a very sensitive um, city with many um, aspects to, towards in any moment. It can always um, explode in some riots and stuff like that. And we actually saw this um, a, a week ago um, and um, therefore, we would always encourage Christians and you watching you pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In Psalm 122, verse 6, it says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. So take that serious. Pray for Jerusalem. And thank you for joining us. Thank you, Moimir, for wonderful um, teaching. You. And remember, next week, Thursday, uh, Thursday again, we will have an ICJ webinar. Please um, uh, join us again. And remember, if you want to see the session again, it will be on YouTube and other channels, or just check out our um, website, icj.org. So thank you so much and bless everybody. See you next week. Thank you. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you. For thousands of years and through many struggles, Jerusalem has been the cultural, the political and the spiritual center of the Jewish people. It is from here where the kings of Israel ruled, where the Holy of Holies was standing and the historical connection of the Jewish people to this city is undeniable. Also it is a city chosen by God, it is the city of the great king. 
In 2017, the Trump administration decided to move the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. As Christian Embassy, we salute this bold decision of the American people and we call upon all the nations of the world to follow suit and to recognize what God already declared 3,000 years ago, that Jerusalem is the cultural, the political and the spiritual center of the Jewish people. And also we call upon every believer around the world to pray for their own government to make that decision that will ultimately also attract the blessing of God upon your own nation. We are here at the City Council Hall where once a month the City Council is meeting together to discuss the future of the city. And I have the enormous privilege to be together today with Ms. Fleur Hassan-Nahum. She's the Deputy Mayor in charge for Foreign Relations. It's so great to be with you here today. Thank you so much for coming. And thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. And I know there are many Christians, they would like to be here in Jerusalem, but unfortunately that's not possible. I know it's actually very sad that I, I get emails and phone calls all the time from so many Christian communities around the world that are waiting for the skies to open to come back to Jerusalem. So we're so lucky to have so many great friends around the world from the Christian community that are dying to get back to our city. We're exciting and we're prepared to receive them back. That's amazing. Now this city is unlike any others. It has a 3,000 years history. It's the spiritual, political, cultural center of the Jewish people throughout the ages. What does it to me mean to you personally? So Jerusalem was almost like a, a dream or a, some type of idyllic place, but it's certainly the heart and soul of the Jewish nation. And I think everybody agrees with that. Um, and so the fact, I wake up in the morning sometimes and the fact that I'm here representing my city as a politician who wasn't born here, who got to Israel without speaking any Hebrew, is an enormous, enormous privilege and I, you know, I can't believe how lucky I am. In 1980, the Israeli Knesset passed a law which was called the Jerusalem Law, declaring Jerusalem as the eternal and undivided capital of the state of Israel. And all the embassies left, but it was also the founding year now, exactly 40 years ago, of the Christian embassy. What did it mean for, Christ for Jewish people living here in Jerusalem that Christians established an embassy? The fact that the Christian embassy recognized that before anybody else is of course an enormous sign of solidarity that up until this day we're very, very appreciative of. This year is one of the most difficult years, I believe, in the history of Jerusalem. What does the COVID-19, how does it affect the city of Jerusalem? Well, put it this way, 30% of our economy is based on tourism. And 80% of that tourism is foreign tourism. What we've done this summer, we've tried to rehabilitate tourism by doing an enormous campaign to get Israelis who normally leave the country to come to Jerusalem. It's not enough and we keenly await our tourists from around the world to return. Do you have a personal message to Christians around the world that you would like to communicate? So first of all, I'd like to thank you all for the enormous support that you always give us. Jerusalem thanks you and Jerusalem keenly awaits your return. We hope for health for everybody. Ms. Fleur Hassan Nahum, thank you so much for spending thank the you. time with us. What an honor, what an amazing place to be here today. And we wish all the best to the city of Jerusalem. Thank you so much. God bless you, thank you.
The International Christian Embassy Jerusalem remains the embassy of Bible believers from all around the world. Here from our headquarters in Jerusalem, we fulfill our mandate to bless, to comfort, and to pray for the people of Israel. We are your embassy right here in Jerusalem, and I want to personally invite you to stand with us as we are connecting Bible-believing Christians from all around the world with what God is doing today right here in the land of Israel.